God is at work around the world. He always has been, always will be. I don't know what it's going to be like when he creates the new heaven and the new earth, but I know God's going to be there. Um, and God's going to keep working. This morning, we're going to look at the first person who dies for Jesus Christ, the first martyr. But I want to remind you, before we read the passage, what has been happening through the book of Acts? You know, we saw the day of Pentecost where the people uh, heard the message, the Holy Spirit came and he just anointed the apostles and they preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved and were baptized in one day. And then the church just kept growing. They're ministering to people and they're reaching out. And pretty soon there were 5,000 men, just the men of the church, plus all the ladies and children that was growing. And pretty soon there was a problem that developed. The apostles couldn't handle it all. So they got to the church together and they said, pick seven men to help you. And, and you get seven men that will take care of the widows, that they'll make sure they get what they need. And uh, the church chose these seven men, and the apostles laid their hands on them and prayed for them. He said, you guys take care of feeding the widows in the church. You take care of the physical needs and ministering, and we will keep preaching the word, and we're going to focus on proclamation and prayer. And so the apostles were focusing on that. And here's one of these men who fed the little old ladies. His name is Stephen. He is not one of the 12 apostles. We don't know when he first met Jesus. We don't know when he came to Christ. But we know he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he wanted to serve. We can see that the people just, they, they said, Stephen, this is a man full of the Holy Spirit. He's a wise man. But he was also a man that talked about Jesus. He talked about Jesus a lot, apparently so much so that the religious leaders got angry. And so they bring him into the temple. They couldn't find anything. You know, what, what are we going to say bad about this guy? He's a really nice guy. He takes care of old ladies. <laughs> so they got some liars together to lie about what he said. They brought in false witnesses. And he begins to tell the history of Israel about how God had worked through all of the ages God was working and how the people kept turning from him, kept turning from him. And last week, when Pastor John shared about the phrase being stiff-necked, because Stephen came to the point and said, you're the stiff-necked people that rejected Christ's anointed. That person Moses talked about, you're him. You're the one. You know, or Jesus was the one, that, that prophet that was coming, and you're the ones that killed him. You're the stiff-necked people. And Pastor John shared about him growing up on a horse farm and training horses. How... That neck, where, which direction the neck points is the direction the horse goes. You, you, and you don't really, you don't pull the rein to turn the head. Because if you just yank on the rein, the horse does this. And he doesn't, he doesn't turn that direction. Pastor John was able to tell you lay that rein across the neck and the horse knows to turn that way. I don't know if any of you noticed, there were two blue ribbons 
hanging on that horse when he showed the picture of his horse. He is a champion horse trainer. So when he talked about being stiff-necked, he is coming from his background able to share that insight. And if you didn't catch last Sunday's message, go back and watch the video or catch it on the podcast. One or the other, just uh, I prefer the, uh, I recommend you see the video because you can also see the horse that he, he trained. You can catch him in his context where he grew up as he's sharing some of his life with you. But he brought out how Stephen called the, the religious leaders stiff-necked. Pastor John shared how the first time that was used in the Bible was when Moses was leading the people out. Moses is on the mountain receiving the law and the people made an idol and began to worship the idol and wanted to go back to Egypt. Moses said, it's a stiff-necked people. The stiff-necked, they don't want to turn. They don't want to turn to God. They want to turn away from God. They're not obedient to God. And when Stephen said to those religious leaders, you're stiff-necked, he's saying, you're worshiping idols like your fathers did. You're killed the prophet like your fathers did. He's relating it back to their history. He says, you're them. You're them. Man, when Pastor John shared that, I just had to say, how often does the Bible share or use that term stiff-necked? I, I don't know if there's another word where it's translated as something different, but everywhere I could find in English, it is referring back to that same situation. The stiff-necked people that wanted to turn to the idols and not follow God. He said, you're the ones. You killed the prophets. Just, or you killed God's prophet. Just like your fathers did. You're stiff-necked. Just like your fathers were. And now, we're up to today's story. What happened? What was the response? There was something else Pastor John said last week. I don't know if this jumped out at you, but it did to me. When we share, there's always a response. When we share the gospel, there is always some sort of response. So we're going to look at the response this morning. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 7. And I'll begin reading in verse 54. I'm reading for the, from the ESV, the English Standard Version. If you got NIV or another... They may use slightly different words. The message is the same. So, Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 54. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they were stoning Stephen, he cried out, Lord Jesus 
received my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Heavenly Father, we see here recorded in your word the first martyr who died for Jesus Christ. And I know that thousands of people are dying every year for Jesus Christ. Father, we see the response. And we just ask that you speak to our hearts this morning through your word. That we will not be stiff-necked and we will follow you. And that, Father, no matter what people respond, we will continue to proclaim you as the Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, the Redeemer, the Sustainer of this world and our lives. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And as I said earlier, people always respond to the gospel message. Now, sometimes it's a positive response. You know, they, there's times where we share the gospel and they actually accept Christ and they want to follow Jesus Christ. Usually it's after a period of time of God working in their lives. But it's a positive response. Sometimes it's a positive response in the way that they're not ready yet, but they want to hear more. They want to hear more about Jesus Christ. They want you to keep sharing. Can we talk again later? Never, 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 never condemn somebody that's like that and say, oh, you really need to follow now because you don't know where they are in their spiritual walk. Continue to share because... You don't know if you are like the third or fourth person that's sharing with them and they're going to need to hear it five or six times. You don't know if you are number 22 out of 52 or you don't know if you're number 52 out of 52. You don't know. You just keep sharing and they will respond. And sometimes it's a positive response, wanting to hear more about it, wanting to meet again. That is a positive response to the gospel. Or shall I say, maybe we wouldn't call it a positive response. Maybe we would say, well, it's not a rejection. It's not a negative response. Because sometimes people respond negatively. They want to say, no. You start to share, and they don't want to hear. And so they just respond very negatively, and sometimes violently. Now, I have never had people respond violently to me. I have had people that said, no, they don't want to hear. We've even had people that became very good friends. That, man, you start to talk about Jesus and the conversation stops. They don't want to hear. And we know one guy, it took uh, several years before we ever got into a deep spiritual conversation about his life. And sometimes it takes that. We didn't close him off as a friend. We were still his friend. We cared very deeply. We prayed for him. But it took time before he finally came to the point where he was ready to discuss it and talk about it. As far as we know, he's still not a believer today. 
But we know he is not closed like he was 10 years ago when we first met him. That over time, he softened. And we've watched people soften over time. It may be negative now, but it may become a positive later. We don't know. We just keep sharing the gospel. I want you to look at the next verse with, or not the next verse, another verse in the scripture in Acts chapter 17, verse 32 through 34. Uh, or the first part of 34, when, when uh, the Apostle Paul was sharing at the Areopagus or Mars Hill in Athens. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some, some men joined him and believed. We see here that, that there was a negative reaction. <laughs> oh, people from, from the dead? Somebody rose up from the dead? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, what a funny. This is awful. You guys got to hear this. This guy says somebody rose up from the dead. Hey, man, is he a ghost? Is Jesus a ghost? Don't you get people that you try to share with and they make fun of Christianity and they laugh at you and they don't believe you? Man, it happened to Paul. Right there in public, they began to mock him. They're laughing at him. This message is a joke. And they rejected it. There were others that thought, man, this is kind of different. This is interesting. We'll hear more later. Paul, can we hear more? We we, We really want to know. So they haven't said no. They haven't said yes. But they're willing to listen. They're willing to talk. But then you see some that join. Now, I cut off the first part of that, that verse. That the, the next verse actually talks about some of the women that also joined Paul. It wasn't just men. They're on the Areopagus. There would have been men, primarily men. It would have been the male city leaders But there were also women that were saying yes and they're joining and they're responding positively to the gospel message. People always respond to the gospel. It is positive where they accept Christ or they want to hear more. It's negative where they reject the message, at least right now. We don't know what it's going to be in the future. But I see something here that seems like indifference. Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody or you tried to talk about spiritual things and they just don't seem to care? It's like, so? Jesus is very important in my life. So? Haven't you seen that? Have you met that with people? They just don't seem to care. See, in, in, in my opinion... That's also a negative response. It is a rejection of the gospel. They don't even want to hear more. It's just indifference. So what? And we're going to meet people like that. When we share the gospel, it's always going to bring some sort of response. But even the ones that seem indifferent to it, they have had to say the so what in their heart. They have had to, they, they've had to reject that message. So what is our responsibility? 
we keep proclaiming. What is our response to their response? Well, if their response is positive, we help them on their journey walking with Christ. If their response is negative, what do we do? Well, you know, there's times where you just need to stop and go and pray later. Like Paul left the Areopagus. People are making fun of him. He said, okay, I'll just leave. Some of the guys left with him. And there's those times where you need to do that. But what did Stephen do when the temple officials responded negatively? You know, here they are. Here, listen to their response. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. When they heard, you're a stiff-necked people, their response is rage. It is not just, no, we don't want to hear any more. No, this is rage. They are gritting their teeth at him. They are angry. Their blood is boiling. How dare him call us stiff-necked? How dare he say we killed Jesus? I mean, it is rage that is boiling through their veins. The rage. They were told the truth, but they rejected the message. They didn't want to hear it. Now compare that to Pentecost. What happened on Pentecost when Peter is preaching and he said, and Jesus was the Messiah whom you killed. Man, didn't Peter preach the same message to the people? They asked, what shall we do? Their response was very different. At least for a, a large part of the people, they heard they had killed the Messiah. Oh no, this is the guy we're waiting for. What do we need to do now? And he said, repent and be baptized. Now these leaders, they just gritted their teeth and the rage is boiling in them. How dare he say that about us? Enraged, the anger is deep. Now picture it. Picture this. They had brought together anybody or everybody who's anybody. If we went back and we looked at chapter 1, you see, or not chapter 1, excuse me, uh, actually the last part of chapter 6, where they had stirred up the people and the elders, and the scribes, and they brought them before the council. That is chapter 12 of verse 6. They have everybody. Everybody who's anybody is there. You've got the council. You've got the scribes, these people that write down the Word of God. They, they're the ones that they make the copies. They write copy after copy. That's their job. That's what they do. They know the Bible. They know what it says. You've got the people, all the leaders, the elders are standing there. And here is Stephen, one man whose job it is to feed little old ladies. He takes care of the widows. He's not one of the 12 apostles. He's just a member of the church. 
And it's one man in front of all of them. And here they are, gritting their teeth at him. And the rage is boiling through their veins. And right here, in the midst of that situation, God gives Stephen a huge blessing. Right in the middle of this, this, this whole situation, one man against the crowd, they're angry. God knows what's going to happen. They're angry. And what does God do for Stephen? Acts chapter 7, verse 55. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In the midst, he doesn't look and see the angry crowd. He's not looking at them. He looks into heaven. He looks up to God. And God gives him this vision of heaven itself. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers talk about, the scripture says after Jesus uh, had uh, died for our sins and he was ra- uh, rose again, he was lifted up into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of God. And here Stephen sees him standing. I've heard it preached many times, Jesus stood up to welcome Stephen home. I don't know theologically if that's accurate or not. But I do know that Scripture records that Jesus is standing there and He sees the glory of God while He's filled with the Holy Spirit in the midst of this, what looks like this tragedy coming. You see, the Holy Spirit has filled Stephen and he sees God the Father and he sees the Son, Jesus. Right there, he sees God. He's experiencing God. A spirit, father, and son. Right there. Oh, what a blessing that that vision was. That it just comes down right in the midst of this crowd. Gritting their teeth. Ready to kill him. And what does Stephen do? Man, if you're seeing that, how do you be quiet? If you look up and you see heaven, what would you do? Stephen standing there, he looks up into heaven. He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He saw the vision of heaven. God opened his eyes to see what no one else was seeing. God opened his eyes to bless him in that trial. God is there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in His totality is reaching out to His child in the midst of it. Now I'm going to throw in a side note right here. Now people say you're not supposed to do that in sermons because it breaks the flow, but this passage introduces a character named Saul. And he's the guy that's going to become named Paul. And Saul hears what's happening. Now later, Saul's going to have his own vision. When he's on the road to Damascus, and we're going to be reading about that in a couple chapters, and 
I don't know if it'll be Pastor John or me that's preaching on that passage, but it's coming. But God speaks to him. Jesus Christ speaks to him directly on that road. He's going to have the vision. And God changed his life. Later, before King Agrippa, he says, Therefore, O king, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. God called him to proclaim the gospel to those that were not Jewish background. He said, I obeyed. I went on and I did it. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul writes about the vision that he saw clear up into the third heaven. You know, in the Jewish belief, they thought there were seven levels to heaven. In fact, in English, we still have the phrase today, seventh heaven, which is the actual throne room of God. And we'll say someone's in seventh heaven. In fact, we had a a TV series in the U.S. for a long time. It was about a, a minister and his family called Seventh Heaven. And Paul says, I saw up into third heaven. And I heard things that men can't repeat. God blessed him later. I wonder, did Saul ever think back to Stephen's message? Did Paul think back when he had his vision, how he rejected Stephen's message? When Stephen received that blessing from God, looking up, not into third heaven, but he's right up and seeing the Father himself. Did he ever think back, why did I reject it? It is only much later in the book of Acts that we find out that Paul is rejecting Christ, but he's feeling a tug at his heart, and he's resisting, he's kicking, he doesn't want to follow, and he's resisting the Holy Spirit who's calling him. There's something about Saul And we'll see this more later, but God can change the hardest heart. We don't know when someone might become a believer. We just keep proclaiming. Because God can change the hardest heart. Even the people who kill Christians. And you have a pastor in Romania that had been arrested and beaten many times for sharing Christ before he escaped and the first time I went to Romania, and we drove in from uh, Bastrica up to Redouts. And I'm in the van with this pastor who's now running orphanages in Romania. And he sees a man standing there and he says, Oh, he goes, I just don't want to talk to him. He was one of my interrogators at the police station. He's talked to me many times about Christ, but I am too tired. I cannot talk to him. And he got out and the man began to talk. And that Romanian pastor, I saw with my own eyes where he begins to share. And he takes that man into the building and they sit down and they talk. And the pastor comes to me later and he says, that man accepted Christ his interrogator, the one that tried to beat him, the man, he said, there were times I tried to hit you and somebody grabbed my arm. He was slapped and he was beaten many times, but he said, there were times that I couldn't hit you. He said, there's times I wanted to curse you, but I couldn't. What stopped me? 
and that Romanian pastor shared Jesus Christ and one of his former interrogators accepted Christ that day. And the pastor was so tired, he didn't want to share. He was too exhausted, but he did it anyway. We got the next newsletter from that mission organization. And they shared that story. And that man, who was the former interrogator, was killed in a car wreck two weeks later. God can change the hardest hearts. Saul, who condemned Stephen wholeheartedly, he says of himself, he wholeheartedly did it. Never forget, God can change the hardest heart. When Stephen looked up into heaven and he told what he was seeing, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What are the religious leaders' next response? Stephen's opened his mouth again. He has said something about God again. It triggers a response. So what was their response? They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. Ugh. Picture this, one man by himself in front of all these officials, everybody who's anybody. He gets his blessing from God. He just tells what he's seen. And what do they do? Ah! I won't yell thing, you know. Some may have already hurt some ears this morning already with the volume, but they cry out with a loud voice. They plug their ears. They cover their ears. They don't want to hear. It is no, they don't want to hear what he's saying. They are physically, it's not just that in their heart they're rejecting it, they are physically reacting. They are screaming so they can drown out Stephen's voice. They are covering their ears so they cannot hear the message. And they rush with him all together. Other translations will say, with one mind. It is that crowd mentality just takes over. They are rejecting the message of Jesus Christ and they rush at him and they push him out of the city. They force him out. They actively refused to listen. It says that they cast him out of the city and stoned him. You know, that sounds kind of, okay, they stoned him, but think about the situation. What was stoning? They push him out of the city and these guys start grabbing up rocks. They're picking up rocks and they're throwing it at Stephen, and Stephen is probably huddled, protecting himself. We don't know his posture, but that is the natural response to huddle down, and the rocks are hitting him, and they're banging him, and, and they're, it hurts. It's not that, they, they, that it's a painless death. It's a very painful death. 
It may not compare to the crucifixion, but these men are standing there, they're picking up rocks and just chunking them at him. And hitting him with the rocks. They killed the messenger. They didn't want to hear the message, so they killed the messenger that's bringing it. I don't want to hear, so they kill him. And we see this introduction to Saul in the second half of verse 58. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Here's Saul watching. He approves. He's one of the Pharisees. He calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's watching it. He's approving. And here's these guys. They're the witnesses. They're the ones watching. Make sure everything's done right. And he goes, Man, it's a little warm today here. Hey, buddy. Hey, watch our jackets. And they pull off their jackets and they lay them at his feet. You realize what's happening here? The crowd are throwing rocks at this guy. Stephen. They're picking up rocks off the ground. They're throwing them at Stephen. And everybody's standing around there just watching. <laughs> hey, watch my jacket, man. Make sure nobody steals my cell phone. You know, you know nowadays that's what they'd be doing. You know, make sure nobody takes my bag. And Paul is just standing there. I wonder what were the witnesses saying. <laughs> hey, man, look at that little skinny guy over there. He can chuck a rock for anything. Somebody needs to teach him how to stone somebody. Oh, look at that big guy, that muscly guy. Ooh. Oh, missed. Never mind. Uh, you know, that's, that's what it's like. They're watching a man get stoned to death for talking about Jesus Christ. They're just watching. They're the witnesses. And Saul is standing about here making sure nobody steals their coat. That's what Saul was like. He was cold-hearted. He's approving. And we see Stephen then respond. Stephen's action. Verse 59, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He, it's not a quiet, it says he called out. It's not a silent prayer. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He has ducked down, he's, he, he's being hit with rocks. And he's trusting God. He's trusting Jesus Christ to receive him into heaven. He had just seen the heavens open up and Jesus standing there. And he says, Jesus, receive me. Welcome me home. Take me home. In the midst of it. Does that remind you of someone else? Jesus on the cross? Luke records Jesus saying, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You know, earlier we talked about how the accusations against Stephen were the same accusations that they made against Jesus Christ. Here is Stephen dying 
being beaten up, beaten to death with rocks. And what does he do? He prays the same prayer that Jesus did on the cross to the Father. He prays to Jesus Christ, receive my spirit. He acts like Jesus acted. In a very, very literal sense in this case. This isn't a figurative thing. He's, he's trusting God to receive him. He's trusting Jesus Christ to receive his spirit. To welcome him home. And then falling. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Was that a quiet prayer? Was that a silent prayer? Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. They heard him. They knew what he said. They knew what he prayed. Father, forgive them. Does that remind you of somebody else? What was it that Jesus prayed on the cross? Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know not what they do. Jesus said, these guys don't even know what they're doing. Stephen, his dying act, as he is dying for Jesus Christ, he's praying for his persecutors. He's praying for them. Lord, don't hold this sin against them. He's praying for his persecutors with his last breath. And and when he said this, he fell asleep. It was over. It was done. He was dead. And Jesus welcomed him home. This morning, it's a very, very emotional type of message because it's real life people. It was a real life believer who was just the man who helped little old ladies with their food. But he talked about Jesus, he told people about Jesus, and he died for it. The religious leaders rejected the message of Jesus Christ. Stephen proclaimed it, they rejected it. They had their religion and they didn't want to give up their idols. Remember I started with reminding you how Pastor John had talked about being stiff-necked. And when did that first come up in the Bible? It's when they rejected God and they had an idol instead. They chose an idol over the true God. They chose an idol over the God who had delivered them. They chose this idol. And the religious leaders, when when Stephen had said that, he said, you've got your idols. But what were the idols of the religious leaders? Well, one was the temple. What was the accusation they made against Jesus Christ? He said he would destroy this temple. That was it. The idol was the temple itself. 
which was supposed to be the dwelling place of God, but they had made the building the idol. What was another thing? They're going to change the custom of Moses. They had their rules. They had totally forgotten the purpose that God gave the laws. They didn't realize Jesus said, I came to fulfill those. Those aren't changing. They're just finished. They're done. I'm the completion. But they made literally the rules that they were to follow became their idol. And they didn't want to hear the message that you have made an idol of the building. You have made an idol of the rules. And there's something else that Jesus had confronted. And I think Stephen's confronting them too at the same time. They had made an idol out of their prestige. Jesus said, the Pharisees, they like to pray on the street corner and get their praise from men. He said, that's all they get. That's their whole reward. They liked the prestige. They liked being the religious leader. They liked being the guy that everybody respected. And they had made an idol out of it. They had their idols and they didn't want to give them up. But you know, all of us, all of us are stiff-necked. All of us tend to not want to follow God. That, that's our human nature. We want to be like Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley and sing, I did it my way. We like to do things our way. We like things the way we want them. What's good for us. And we make idols out of them. We all have our idols. We have our pride. We have our selfishness. But what do we do with the message of Jesus Christ then? How do we respond? And I'm going to make it personal. How will you respond? What's your idol? Are you truly following Jesus Christ? Even if you're a believer, are you doing what God wants you to do? If you're not a believer, what do you need to do now? What's your next step? Do you need to talk to somebody and say, I don't know what I believe, but I want to hear more? Is it time where God's calling you and you say, yes, I want to follow, but I beg of you for your own sake and for the sake of the kingdom, don't reject it. Don't say, no, I don't want to be. Respond to Jesus Christ. Pastor John and I were talking this week about the invitation time, what we call in, in our tradition, we call it the invitation because we invite you to respond. The most important thing is to respond to Jesus Christ himself. What is Jesus telling you? What do you need to do? But you can also respond if you, you want to just publicly say, I want to be part of this church. This is my church and I want people to know it. Then we would love to talk to you about that too. If you need someone just to pray with you about something, 
We welcome you to pray with us. I'll be up here at the front. I'll step to the side so you can come. Pastor John will be in the back if you want to slip back and and speak to him. Either way. But this time is for you to respond to what God's telling you. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you will speak to each and every heart, drawing each and every person closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.